HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Liza Ham, and I am the Special Projects Coordinator at Heritage Radio Network, and I am speaking to you from the Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco. Our first guest is Sarah Brito. She is the founder of a very cool project called the Good Food 100 Restaurants List. So Sarah, thank you so much for being here. It's great and to will, be here. Will you start by just telling us what this special list will do? Sure. Um, so the Good Food 100 Restaurants List is designed to celebrate restaurants for being transparent with their purchasing practices and educate eaters about the restaurants across the country that are truly putting their money where their mouth is and walking the walk when it comes to supporting good food and being a leader in the good food movement. Okay. How are you going about gathering this data? We're doing this in a self-reported survey uh, approach where the restaurants between now and May 1st of 2018, so they have about uh, four months to complete the survey, um, self-report their actual purchases from the prior year and what they're buying at a state level, what they're buying from within their region but beyond their state borders, and what they're buying within the United States but beyond their state and region, um, and what they're buying from the industrial um, food system, um, because all restaurants, you know, to some extent still have to buy um, from the industrial food system and then how much they're buying from the good food system. And then we rate them uh, and they subject themselves, believe it or not, voluntarily to be rated against their peers, Wonderful. Uh, similar types of restaurants in the same region. Okay. Are you doing it across the country? Will everyone, will every place be featured or... Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, in this is our second annual uh, restaurants list. And in 2017, we had 90 restaurants across the country voluntarily take the survey. Okay. Um, and since we're here in San Francisco, I'll just shout out uh, the perennial here in San Francisco in the Mission uh, District, all the way to New York City, where restaurants like Gramercy Tavern and Untitled, uh, part of the Union Square Hospitality Group, participated. Okay, okay great. So at first I thought... Are there only 100 restaurants who will make the list? Explain why that number is there. Sure. Uh, I get that question all the time. And I always um, tell people that we modeled this after the Inc. 500. Uh, Inc. Magazine and the 500 and the Fortune uh, 500 and the Fortune 100. And so, no, there's no limit to the number of restaurants that can participate. Um, we say 100 because when in print channels where you're limited by the number of restaurants that you can print and highlight, 
uh, will always focus on 100. Uh, but our hope is that eventually thousands of restaurants across the country will realize that transparency is the future of food okay. and that to be trusted by their guests and diners, uh, all restaurants across the country are going to eventually have to be transparent. So you can either be proactive and be transparent now, today, and stand out as a leader, or you can be a follower and eventually be forced by your eaters and your diners uh, to join the pan transparency movement. Yay, that's great, Sarah. So once the survey is done in May. May, May 1st. May 1st. Mm -hmm. Tell me then where people can find the results. Sure. So then over the summer, uh, we'll be verifying the data. And we've partnered with NSF.org, okay. uh, who's an independent third party, to verify the data. And then the lead school of business at CU Colorado, or CU Boulder, rather, will analyze the data. And then on September 12th of 2018, we'll publish uh, both the list and the economic assessment. And the list is super important and probably the most eater-friendly part of what we do because, you know, like every list of restaurants, it's designed to help eaters curate yep. where they might want to go to eat that night. Mm. Um, but the economic assessment is really exciting because it puts the dollars and the impact um, to what this list is doing. So if I could just share a data point from last year, it was really exciting that the 90 restaurants that participated last year actually had an almost $200 million economic impact on the good food economy. That's incredible. Um, which meant that for every dollar they spent on good food, it was having an almost $2 economic impact um, on the good food economy. And so what I always like to tell people is, is like, which economy do you want to nudge forward? The bad one that we're trying to move away from or the good one? And if you could put a dollar into the good one and know that it's going to have an almost $2 economic impact, wouldn't that be what you would want to do? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is wonderful. So... Um, I assume you attended last night's Good Food Awards. I did. It was my first one. It was great, wasn't yeah, it? Did it you was. Have fun? We noticed that a popular word was collaboration. So we wanted to ask all our guests today, is there a collaboration they're really looking forward to in 2018? Well, I think collaboration was the key word uh, last night. And I think collaboration is inherent in the good food movement. I think that, to me, the Good Food Movement and the Good Food Awards and what we're trying to do with the Good Food 100 restaurants is to show that food is not a zero-sum game, that um, I, no one has to lose in order for me to win, yeah. um, and that we want everyone to win uh, in the food system from the environment to the producers, to the farm workers, to the restaurant workers, to the restaurants. And so I think one of the things I'm excited about is uh, we, the Good Food 100 restaurants, continue to talk to the Good Food Awards about how we could collaborate is um, I'd love to see Good Food 100 restaurant chefs um, using the ingredients of Good Food Awards producers um, and being a part of uh, next year's uh, awards reception, yeah. uh, the after party that we had last night at Airbnb. I think it would be a, a great opportunity for those chefs to learn more about the food uh, production side of the business. Yeah. And many of them have probably an interest um, in producing their own foods. In fact, I should say one of our restaurants was a winner last night. Who was um, that? That was the Gray Plume in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. And they won for their sauerkraut uh, in the pickles category. And yeah. so that's really what triggered the idea is 
you know, many chefs have an interest in producing uh, packaged foods. And wouldn't these good food award winners love to have a top chef from across the country make a dish that celebrates their award-winning product at next year's reception. That's a great idea. We hope it happens. So speaking of delicious food, since you've been in San Francisco, you are not based here, I just found out. Yes, we're headquartered in Denver, Colorado. So what's the best bite you've had since you've been in San Francisco? Ooh, that's that's tough. Um, I've actually been staying in Oakland. Okay. Uh, well, so I'm as planning well. to eat tonight in San Francisco. I'm probably going to join several other people in town for the Good Food Awards in line for one of those uh, seats at the uh, chef's counter at State Bird Provisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I've ate in Oakland at Boot and Shoe, okay. uh, which uh, many of your listeners might be aware is under some scrutiny um, as part of this Me Too controversy. Yes, um, and so I intentionally ate there. Um, because I wanted to see what the vibe was like. I wanted to talk to the staff about how they felt that I, as a woman, was eating there. Were they happy for my support? Or, you know, were they wishing that the restaurant closed? Um, And they were very uh, happy uh, that eaters were still coming out to eat and to support them. Um, So, And the meatballs there are fantastic. Um, So... Uh, That's what I had. And a ribolita soup, uh, which was also fantastic. Yum. Okay, so finally, in your opinion, what is the most pressing food issue in 2018? Well, I think I just alluded to it when I talked about the Me Too uh, movement and how that's affecting the the restaurant industry and, and the food movement. But I would take it even beyond that to say that I think this is a theme that's been bubbling up since last year, which is... I think we're moving beyond environmental sustainability alone to human sustainability. Um, And so I think that applies to farm workers um, and the producers, the actual humans behind our food, to the humans who are um, working in restaurants serving our food, to the dishwashers that we've spent a lot of time since the good food movement uh, and the environmental movement started worrying about the environment and animals, and that continues to be important. But I think that in the process, we perhaps forgot that the humans that are behind our food are also uh, important. And so I think, um, ironically, it's about people um, behind food and not just the food uh, alone. Yeah good thing for everyone to remember. Is there one little step that you would urge each listener to do to make to make a positive change towards that? I think it all starts with individual actions. And, you know, to reference a quote um, that is often attributed to Gandhi, but I don't think it actually comes from Gandhi. And I think I even heard this on stage last night, which is be the change. Yeah. So it all starts with us as individuals and we have to be the change. And especially if you're a person in power, if you're a chef, if you're an executive chef, a chef de cuisine, if you're a restaurant owner, if you're a manager, if you're a maitre d', like, you have the power and your actions speak volumes. Uh, and people are watching you and they will, they will follow your example. So be the leader and be the change that you want to be. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. That was great. Thank you. It's nice to connect with you outside of Bushwick, Brooklyn. Absolutely. (laughs) I also want to say thanks to the Julia Child Foundation for supporting Heritage Radio Network on tour. And we will be right back.